Well, good morning. As you can see, we are running a bit light here this morning. Um, my family and I were out last week with a mild case of COVID, and now I see that the rest of the church has decided to follow suit. In fact, it was actually Ryan who was supposed to be up here right now until just last night when I got called into duty. And here am I, and I am excited to be here with you this morning, and I will be borrowing from some of the preparation, some of the work that Ryan had already put into this text. And I hope to give you some encouragement from Psalm 119 from God's word here today. And from this passage, specifically this morning, I would like to talk to you about comfort. Where do we find comfort in life? Not the little luxuries and modern conveniences that we have here in 21st century America, but true lasting comfort when life gets difficult and times are tough. What gives you comfort when you are suffering, when you are troubled, when you are scared, or when you are anxious? Where do you go when you are in the midst of a difficult trial and are in need of comfort? When you're in the middle of the storm, so to speak. Sure, Comfort comes when your circumstances change and you begin to transition out of a trial. But what if your circumstances aren't changing? What if you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? What then? Where can we get comfort that outlasts the ebb and flow of hardships in life? Because none of us are promised smooth sailing through this life. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. We go in and out of trial and hardship throughout our lifespan because circumstances change and it isn't always for the better, at least according to our limited earthly perspective. So where do we get comfort that is unchanging and constant? Hope, comfort that can penetrate the darkest situations and bring forth light, hope, and rest. This morning we are going to look at a few ways that God comforts us in the midst of trials. Where we can find his comfort, which is a lot closer and more accessible than we might think. Which is good news for all of us here. Because every single one of us here today will need want, and by God's grace, be sustained in our trials by our Heavenly Father of compassion and God of all comfort. So as we look here at Psalm 119, if you're not familiar with it, Psalm 119 is a very long chapter. In fact, it's composed of 22 different stanzas or sections of eight verses each. It is believed to be written by one author, and the titles above each section are the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet in order. This psalm is filled with blessings, songs, teachings, and prayers, many of which overlap throughout the chapter. 
Now, Psalm 119 is not a text we would normally turn to or think of when, we're, when we want to talk about the comfort of God. And that's because Psalm 119 is primarily about the sufficiency and life-giving power of God's word. In fact, there are popular verses that many of you might know that highlight the major theme of God's word and our obedience to it. Verses like number nine, which says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Or maybe you're familiar with verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And throughout this chapter, the psalmist uses eight different words to communicate the law or the word of God as he shares about the blessings and the benefits of loving and living in God's word. And each one of these words has its own nuance to help the reader better understand how complete and how whole God's law is. The words that the psalmist uses are word, law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, rules, promises, and decrees. And each stanza or section in Psalm 119 has at least six of these words in it. All of this is to drive home the central theme of God's word and our obedience to it. So this psalm marches through the entire Hebrew alphabet, section by section, thoroughly covering the topic of God's word and the benefits available to those who love it and follow it. And among those many benefits, or blessings as the psalmist puts it, we see comfort in the midst of trials. Comfort for hurting and weary hearts. In fact, the word comfort is used four different times across Psalm 119, and we see it twice here in our text today. And when he speaks, when the psalmist speaks of comfort, we can see that he is talking in the midst of a trial or a hardship. In today's passage, the trials that this psalmist is talking about have to do with persecution from godless men. We can see that in verses 51 to 53, where he writes, The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. These are men who have zero regard for God's righteous rule, and they are ridiculing, slandering, and possibly even trying to harm the author here. But regardless of the specifics of this circumstance, we can apply what we see here more broadly under the trials and tribulations umbrella. And that is what we are going to do today. From this passage, I want to highlight two explicit and two implicit ways in which God comforts his people in times of hardship, uncertainty, fear, and hurt. The first point I want to make is that God's comfort comes to us by his precepts. We see from this passage that God's precepts, or God's word, gives us comfort. 
Let's look at verses 51 to 56. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. In these few verses, we see God's word referenced six different times, once for each verse. We see law, rules, law, statutes, law, and precepts. And for the psalmist here, he is specifically referring to the law in the Old Testament. Think of the Ten Commandments and the other several hundred ceremonial, civil, and moral laws. For him, comfort comes as he remembers both the blessings and the security that is found in obeying God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He opened this psalm stating as much. If we look at the very beginning of Psalm 119, he wrote, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. God's commands were not prison bars keeping him from doing what he wanted to do. No, God's commands were a refuge and a strong tower, keeping evil out and keeping him safe. Not only did they keep him safe, but he understood God's law to give him life and life abundantly. And Psalm 119 also echoes Psalm chapter 1, in that he, do, he who delights in God's law and meditates and obeys God's word will flourish. Psalm 1 goes on to say, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. There is great blessing and reward for those who know and keep God's word, God's perfect law, God's loving precepts. They are a source of comfort for the psalmist because they promised blessing and gave comfort in the midst of evil, trial, and hardship. We can see in this passage that God's rules from of old give comfort, and God's statutes have been his songs as he moves throughout his life. Even during the night, when we are often troubled by our worries, the psalmist remembers God's name and says that he keeps God's law. He has been blessed by keeping God's precepts. And this is true for us today as well, church. God's righteous rules should bring us comfort, even more so for us than the psalmist, because for you and I, it is not only the law that gives us comfort, but it's all of God's revealed will in all of the Bible. We don't just find comfort in following and obeying God's law, but in believing and trusting in who God is and what he has done. 
This is just one reason why we emphasize God's word, the Bible, so much here at Apostles Church. I see many of you have your Bibles open this morning, or at least your phones, which hopefully are on today's text. And that is good. But my desire for you is that Sundays aren't the only day that you open your Bible. That it's not just today, but every day that you think of God's word from of old. Did you know that according to one survey at least, Americans on average spend nearly five and a half hours a day looking at their phones and another two hours looking at other screens. Over seven hours a day on average staring at a screen. Friends, you won't get true comfort from TikTok videos, Instagram posts, or tweets. You won't be comforted by the news of the day or the latest movies or shows. In fact, more media and social media in particular usage seems to only add to our anxiety and worry. So I want to encourage you, spend time in God's word. Have a regular reading plan that takes you through various books of the Bible. Take the time to go even beyond to study, to meditate on, and to memorize God's word. For we know that the word of God is living and active. And then you, like the psalmist here, can say, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. And as you read and study the Bible, you will learn that it doesn't just tell us that God will comfort us, it goes beyond and tells us how God will comfort us. Psalm 23 is perhaps one of the best, but only one example in the Bible of how God comforts his people. It says that he takes, cares, takes care of our needs. It begins with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he does what is best for us, even when we resist or don't trust where he leads us. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And he gives us rest, and he restores our anxious minds. It says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. We see that he has given us the Holy Spirit and the desire to seek the kingdom for his glory. It goes on to say, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We know that he stays with us by our side in our darkest of hours. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And he protects us from the enemy of our soul. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We see that he accepts us, he anoints us, and he gives us an eternal place at his table. It concludes with, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just one example. God's word brings deep, lasting comfort, and it has done so for the people of God throughout the ages. 
So put down your phones and lift up your Bibles. Turn off the TV and turn to God's word. Christian, God's precepts, his holy word, will comfort your weary soul. Go to his word when in need of healing balm for your anxious heart. And as you read his word, you will learn more about who God is and what he has done and is currently doing. So what I want to do here is to mention two doctrines or truths about God that we see clearly in the Bible that should bring us great comfort. These aren't explicitly mentioned in today's text, but they are true nonetheless and are clearly in the Bible. This list is far from exhaustive, but these are two ways that we can learn from God's word that God comforts the believer. The first one is from God's precepts, we see God's presence. The Bible teaches that God is present everywhere at all times. The theological term for this is his omnipresence. And we get this from scripture such as Jeremiah 23, which says, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And another good passage that articulates this truth is in the book we're studying currently, the book of Colossians, where in chapter 1, verse 17, it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He, being Jesus, where the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, has, is, and always will be before all things, because he, in fact, sustains all things, all the time. If he were absent, life would be absent. God is always present. The psalmist knew and embraced this truth about God. To the psalmist, God's constant presence was a great comfort that encouraged him to reach out in prayer in the midst of his trial, knowing that God was with him and that God would hear him. And in the Christian life, God's presence is special because he's not just present like a quiet passenger sitting in the car with you going where you are going. His presence resembles what I believe to be the most sacrificial and loving relationship created, the relationship between a parent and their child. And I'm not really talking about an adult child where the love is understood and reciprocated. I'm talking about more the unconditional love of a parent towards their young child, a child who doesn't really grasp what that love means and doesn't do anything deserving of that love. Yet the parent loves the child so much that they would give their life for their child in a heartbeat. God's presence is that of a loving father holding his young child close, embracing them when they fall and scratch their knee, knowing and meeting their needs without them even asking and without them even realizing what it cost for that need to be met, discipling them out of love so that they might learn how to enjoy life 
the way they were created to. And showing compassion and feeling deep empathy when his children disobey or if they are hurting. And unlike any earthly father, God does it perfectly. God will never leave us. He will always forgive us. He will never lose his patience with us. He will never speak evil of us. God will never be ashamed of us. God will always discipline us in love and never in anger. God pursues us when we foolishly wander off. He meets every one of our deepest needs. And he ministers to our hearts in our darkest moments. So by reading God's word, we are reminded of his loving presence with us at all times. And that truth brings us great comfort. Secondly, from God's precepts, we see God's providence. God's providence is more than just his sovereignty or rule and reign over all things. God's providence includes that idea, but it's more than that. It includes his fatherly care for all of his creation. The Heidelberg Catechism defines it this way. Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God, by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty. All things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. And we can see this truth clearly in a passage such as Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Scripture shows us a loving God, counting the very hairs on our heads and directing the sparrows in the sky so that we might live life unafraid. Perhaps it seems cliche to you, when someone tells you that there are no accidents in life. But it's true. Nothing has been left to chance. Every economic recession, every phone call in the middle of the night, every oncology report, and every worldwide pandemic has been sent to us from the God who sees all things, plans all things, and loves us more than we can know. And as children of the Heavenly Father, 
God's providence is always for us and never against us. Joseph's imprisonment in Egypt seemed pointless, but it makes sense to us now. The Israelites' slavery in Egypt, that didn't make any sense at the time, but in the storyline of Scripture, it makes sense now. Killing Jesus Christ, the Messiah, left the disciples shocked and afraid. But it makes sense now. Whatever difficulty or unknown you may be facing today, it will make sense someday. And if not in this life, then certainly in the next. We will all have trials where we fear what the future may hold. But such fears are misplaced if we know the one who holds the future. We can face the future unafraid because we know that nothing moves, however mysterious, except by the hand of our loving Father. So take comfort from God's precepts. Take comfort from God's very own word to us in the Bible, where we learn who he is and all that he has done and is doing, where we see that he is ever-present with us, and providentially rules over all things. These truths brought great comfort to the psalmist, and they can bring great comfort to you as well. Read his word, and you will learn that we have merely scratched the surface of the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Now, the second explicit way that we see in our text today that God comforts us is through his promise. Let's look back at the beginning with verses 49 and 50. It says, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. So God comforts us through his promise. This Hebrew word that the ESV translates as promise is used 13 times in this psalm. And each time we see it, it is used in the singular. Now, it could still be talking about all of God's promises in his word, just like the word law was speaking of multiple laws that God had given his people. But I think in this psalm, the word promise seems to be speaking of a more specific promise made by God to his people. Specifically, this is the promise of salvation, the promise of deliverance, the promise of rescue. Now, for the psalmist here, this promise for deliverance wasn't fully known. Since the time of the fall in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, God's people had been waiting for a savior. An offspring of Eve who would crush the head of the snake and defeat both sin and death. Well, we know it wasn't Eve's direct offspring, Cain, because, well, he killed his brother Abel. And it wasn't Noah or Abraham or Moses or David. Each man, while seeking after God, still broke God's commands and law and sinned against him. And so the people of God continued to look forward to the coming of the Messiah, 
the anointed one. The one who would fully and finally bring salvation to God's people. That is the promise the psalmist is talking about. And his hope is in this promise. His comfort is in this promise. This promise gives him life. And he trusts in God to fulfill this promise. And for you and I today, we know that this promise has been answered in Jesus Christ. Salvation, deliverance, rescue has come. In fact, we just celebrated the coming of Christ at Christmas time a couple of weeks ago. God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into the world to live a perfect life and to die a substitutionary, atoning death on the cross on our behalf. And Christ's resurrection from the grave proved that he had, in fact, defeated sin and death. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father God Almighty. Jesus Christ is God's promise. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. He is the promise who gives life and comfort to the believer. Oh, what marvelous comfort this brings to the Christian. No matter your present trials and tribulations, your salvation is secure. As the old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, says, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Take comfort, Christian, in your salvation. Take comfort in your Savior. He is our ultimate hope and peace. He has paid the price for your sins and for mine, and he has secured a place for us in eternity. Let him be your anchor in stormy seas. And if you're not a Christian, if you haven't turned from your sins and trusted in Christ alone for your salvation, let today be that day. Call upon his name, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for he is the only source of true comfort in this life. Church, it is self-evident that many of us are going through trials right now and have been at various times over just the past two years. Many of us need the comfort that only God can provide. True, lasting comfort that will carry us through difficult times. And so I encourage you to look to God and be comforted. Look to God's precepts, his words in the Bible, which provide a steady anchor in the storm. Revel in the doctrines of God, like his presence and his providence. Take great comfort that he is always with you and will never leave you. That he watches over and provides for you as you work your way through this life. And most of all, take comfort in his promise of salvation. His promise that gives life. 
Look to Jesus Christ, your Redeemer and your King, and be comforted. Let's pray.